0: Father God, our heart's desire is that you would deliver us, that you would rescue us from our sin, our depravity, our brokenness, that you would deliver us in such a way that you would usher us into your presence. That God, could it be that you could deliver us and usher us into your family? God, we ask that the Spirit of Christ would come, the Spirit of the Deliverer would come with such power that we would have ears to hear the story of our Deliverer, that He has come, that He has, and He is, and He will deliver us. Oh, Spirit of the living God, come and shine upon us in a way that our minds are filled with Your truth, that we can understand what our Deliverer has done. Oh God, would you pour upon us your grace and your love in such a way that, that our hearts now would be filled with love for our deliverer, Jesus, that our hearts would beat for you. God, would you come and would you teach us such with your word with such power that, that we would walk. We would walk in a manner worthy of your name, that, that we would walk in a manner that is free, And the reality that we have been delivered and that we are yours, that we are forgiven and we are loved. Oh, God, would you come with such power so that we can be delivered again today? We pray in Christ's name. Amen. This Advent season, we've been uh, all Advent season in this wonderful passage in Galatians where we see that God did come and the, the significance of this Advent celebration is the reality that, that God has sent a deliverer, that God sent a deliverer to, to rescue us all. And during this time, we realize as you read Galatians 4.4, 4, that it was in the fullness of time that God would send forth his son. And we saw in that first week that because Jesus has come in that fullness of time, that, our, that time has a point. And at the point is Jesus, that time has a crescendo that he's coming again. And that time has a master. Not only that, as we've looked at this Galatians 4 passage, we've seen the fullness of God. That the Advent story is not just a story of Jesus. That's really, it's a story of all of God. That it was God who would send forth His Son. That He initiated with us. He sent a Deliverer. That Jesus would come and secure for us our full rights as sons. Even now, as we gather here, we're His in Christ Jesus. He secured our adoption. But there's even more that that God would send the Spirit of His Son to seal that relationship. That we could call out, the Father, We realized last week that the deliverer had to be born of a woman. He had to be born of a woman in a way that he could empathize with us, that God became one of us. But being born of a virgin, God could be the holy son of God and the sinless son of man. Why? To rescue us. And this week we get to this section of Galatians 4, born under the law. Born under the law, that Jesus would come as as God in the flesh, that Jesus would come as God Almighty, and he would come born under the law so that he could deliver us. That's what we're going to look at this morning. What is this amazing significance? I promise it's incredible. A word, a phrase that we might read right over. What is the weight? What is the glory? What is the meaning that Jesus would be born under the law. Have you ever noticed that the people in positions of power and influence often live their lives as they're above the law? Have you ever noticed that those people of power and authority sometimes think that they must be exempt from the rules that all of us follow? And somehow because of their position or their power, they just have this exemption, this life that doesn't seem to be like ours. Let's talk about some of the worst offenders. They seem to be politicians sometimes, don't they? have all that power, all that position, and yet they think the law doesn't apply to them. You know who else I think is a bad offender of this? Pastors. It seems like pastors often think, you know, somehow we're above it and somehow it doesn't apply to us. Not only pastors, politicians, business leaders. Oftentimes business leaders get this, this ego thing going. And maybe she thinks she's above the law or he thinks that the rules don't apply to them. It also is seems to be the worst offenders, carpool drivers. I know, <laughs> carpool drivers. Those who are in a car picking up their kids uh, and they're late or something. Somehow the law doesn't apply to them. And somehow the rules don't apply to them. Those are some of the worst offenders. Well, I just uh, finished uh, uh, Isaacson, Walter Isaacson's biography on jobs. And I don't know about you, but when I finish a book, I, I kind of get a little melancholy. It's like a relationship is coming to an end. And man, did I, did I enjoy that book. Was I fascinated with who he was as, as one that would really change in many ways our world. And what a leader. But he was a leader who thought that he was above the law himself. Do you know the interesting thing about jobs? Do you know he never had a license plate? You know, he never had a license plate. And here's how he got away with it. Uh, he would have a deal that he'd get a new car uh, before six months. Uh, every six months, he'd get a new car. So he always had a temporary tag. he thought, yeah, I, don't need a temp- I don't need a license plate. I'm Steve Jobs. So I'm going to go get a new one. So he never had a license plate. You know what else about Steve Jobs? He always parked in handicapped parking. They'd always find uh, right there at Apple's headquarters that uh, he would pull in, and, and time after time after time, uh, because he's so busy, and because his schedule's so full, and because he's the CEO, and because all these great things he's, he's working on, that, that he felt like it was okay to go and park in handicapped parking. As a matter of fact, it kind of became a joke at Apple. It became a joke so much that they went and they took a Mercedes symbol, and they put it on the handicap parking sign. And by the way, don't ever park in handicap parking. That's a pet peeve. If God has given you the ability to move around and not be in handicapped parking, rejoice. And do not park there. But somehow Jobs thought, eh, the, the, the rules. They don't apply to me. That handicapped, it doesn't apply to me. I'm Steve Jobs. Hmm. Well, what's so amazing about Jesus? What is so absolutely incredible about Jesus in Christmas is the one who is in the ultimate position of power. The one who's in the ultimate position of authority is is God's only begotten son as the eternal God made flesh. The one who truly was above the law. You know that Jesus is above the law. How do we know that? He's God and he's the giver of the law. But the one who is in true position of power and authority, the one who is in the only position above the law, he was one who says, but I will be born under the law. Think about it. God's son has come. He put on flesh. God walked among us. Think about it. In Jesus, the fullness of deity dwelt. Think about this. He didn't take any exceptions to the law. None. The one who's very God. The one who's a very uh, lawgiver, Jesus came, he says, I'm gonna submit myself under the law and, and there's not one thing about the law. There's not one jot, there's not one tittle. There's not one thing about the law, whether it's ceremonial or moral law, that I won't submit myself fully to and under. It's amazing. Not only did Jesus subject himself to with no exceptions, he also subjected himself to the curse of the law. He says that for those, the scripture says, for those who have broken the law, there's a curse. And Jesus came as one who comes under the law to fulfill all of its requirements. Jesus, God's own son, is the one who comes and says, although I am free from the curse of the law because he's sinless, I'll absorb the curse of the law. Why? So that you and I wouldn't have to. You see, we gotta get this. We really, really gotta get this, that Jesus is born under the law. Because this is so important to the Christmas story. No, no, no. It's more than that. This is so important to the Bible story. I mean, the story doesn't make sense unless somebody has come to fulfill what God has required. The story doesn't make sense. The story of the Bible crumbles. But let's, let's be practical. Let's be personal. Our lives. It's so important to the stories of our lives. Because of the reality that Jesus has come and he has put himself under the law. Listen, the only way God could redeem us, the only way God could free us, the only way that God could make sinners like us deserving his wrath and displeasure, his beloved sons, is for Jesus to come and put himself fully under the law. He came to be obedient because we couldn't. He came to be merciful and absorb the curse because we couldn't handle it. That is so incredible. That's the incredible reality of Jesus being born of the law. We're going to look at this. You want to follow along in the bulletin? We're going to see what is the real significance of Jesus being born of the law. There's three things. There's three things we've got to walk out of here knowing uh, that will make this whole Christmas story take life. They'll make the whole Bible make sense. And really even, I'm not exaggerating, make your life and my life whole, unified with God. That is how important this is. Three things we got to see. The first one is this. The lawgiver in Christmas, being born of the law, the lawgiver became the law keeper. Unbelievably. Secondly, the blessed son, the holy son of God, the blessed son, became a curse. And thirdly, so we are no longer in Christ Jesus. We're no longer a slave, but a son. That's some really good news. Let's take a few minutes to just let God unpack this for us so that we can taste and see our God is good. So we can see the fullness of God's love in the reality that Jesus was born under the law. The first thing is this. The lawgiver became the law keeper. There's one thing I've said to you in the past. and There's one thing I'll say to you over and over and over again. I want you to write it down. I want you to get this in your your mind. We have to live with this reality. You ready for this? You ready? This is important. Everything that God requires, God provides. Did you hear that? Everything that God, as holy God of the universe, everything that God requires, God provides. How gracious is our God. You see, what does our God require? What does a holy God require? Well, here's what his requirements are. Perfect obedience. Perfect obedience. Perfect submission. For us to be in a relationship with God, for us to be able to stand in his presence, oh my, to dream of all dreams, for us to be able to be adopted into his family, what God requires is perfection. Perfection in obedience and perfection in submission to him. God's holiness demands it. Do we get that? I mean, God would have to stop being holy. I mean, God would have to stop being God if he accepted anything other than perfection. It seems like we live in a time and live in a day and age where most people think this about God. Well, God is loving and God is merciful and God knows that we're frail and God knows that we're broken and God knows that we're people who sin and he loves us anyway. That is all true. But there's more. Do you know that God, because he's God, do you know that God, because he's holy, he can't wink at sin. Not one of them. He can't look the other way of any sin, even a small little white lie or even uh, something that seems insignificant. Why? Because God is a consuming fire. Why? Because God is a holy, sinless, perfect being. That's why. So God could only accept perfection for us to be in a relationship with him. He can never wink at sin. Okay, but there's God's mercy. God's mercy provides perfection for us in Christ Jesus. It provides perfection for us in God's own Son. Why? Because what God requires, unbelievably, God provides. And that's why Jesus came and he had to submit himself to the law. He had to submit himself to the law he gave us. He had to require, he had to fulfill all the requirements of the law. Every single one of them, Jesus had to fill and require taking no exemptions. As we read the story in Luke, it's a familiar story. It's, it's a story of Christmas. Did you read it? Did you notice that I put a one extra verse on there? Did anybody wonder, well, hmm, now he's talking about after eight days, Jesus was circumcised. What was that all about? Well, you turn with me to Luke chapter two. As we look in Luke chapter two, uh, right after the part of our reading, we stopped in verse 21 And that says, at the end of eight days after Jesus was born, when he was circumcised, they called him Jesus, the name given to him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And then verses 22 through 24 talk about when the time came for their purification, according to what? The law of Moses. They brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it was written in the Lord, every male who who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice According to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons, which by the way, shows that they were poor. They couldn't even afford a lamb. But why in the world do you think through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, why would Luke want to tell us things like eight days he was circumcised? Why would it be important that they had a sacrifice and they had two turtle doves there? Why would that be important? It's because of this. God required perfection. God required that the law would be fulfilled. All of it. Jesus knew it. Jesus knew that to redeem us, to rescue us, he had to humble himself. Man, God Almighty had to humble himself, become a servant. I mean, become human. I mean, he had to humble himself to become under the law so that he could lift us up and fulfill us. Jesus, from the womb to the grave, is obedient. Jesus, from the womb to the grave, is the sinless son of God. That's why last week it was so important for us to wrestle with the fact born of a woman. Born of a virgin. He's truly the sinless Son of God in the beginning, and He continued to be as He fulfilled all of God's requirements. You know what that means? You know what it means that Jesus has taken the test for us? Do, do, do you know what it means that Jesus has fulfilled all the requirements that the Father has of the law? We're free. We're free from the tyranny of the law. I mean, the law that you and I can never keep, the law that you and I continually break, the law that we trample over, it can't beat us up. The tyranny of the law has been broken. Why? Because Jesus has come and he kept what we couldn't on our behalf. And now how do we receive it? How do we receive, how do we receive this perfection? How can God now, right this very moment, look at you and me and say, you are complete. You are perfect. How in the world could God redeem us and usher us into his presence? It's by his grace through faith that we said, yes, I believe by God's grace. I believe that God did send his son in the fullness of time. I do believe that Jesus was born of a woman. He's fully man and fully God. I do believe that Jesus has kept the law for you and for me. I do believe that all the father's requirements were satisfied in him. And by God's grace, through faith, I trust in him. The law can no longer touch me. Isn't that good news? Incredibly, the lawgiver became the lawkeeper, but there's more than that. There's more. The blessed son became a curse. Because keeping the law was only half the problem. I mean, that only solved half of it. Okay, for, for us to have a relationship with God, there needed to be perfection. But there's more. For God to maintain his justice, God had to have a penalty paid for our sins. I mean, Scripture tells us that. Right in the beginning, in the beginning of God's word, and you don't get very far into the Bible. You get to Genesis chapter 3, and you hear of our rebellion. You hear how we rebelled against God and how sin came into the world. And because of that sin, we were all born into it. Because of that sin, there's corruption has come. But there's more than that. Because of sin, a curse has come. A curse is upon us apart from Christ. We're cursed. The ground is cursed. The world is cursed. But Jesus came to reverse the curse and to absorb the curse right on the cross. Let's go back to Galatians. Galatians 3. Galatians 3 verse 10 says this. We're going to look at 10 through 13. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, listen to this, for it is written in God's word, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Oh my goodness. You know what this is saying? It says that all of us who have ever broken God's law, is that you? Have you ever not loved them with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Have you ever not loved your neighbor as yourself? Have you ever had a bad thought? Have you ever committed sinful deeds? It says all of us, who have not completed all of the law and done all that is there, and by the way, even with the right motives, were cursed. Verse 11, now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. (laughs) None of us can keep it. All of us have sinned and fallen short. For the righteous shall now live by faith. For the law is not of faith, rather the one who does uh, them shall live by them. But verse 13, listen, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? By becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hanged on a tree. Do you get it? Do you understand what's being said here? That God is born under the law? That Christ became a curse? No, no, no. That Christ became your curse so that we can know God's blessing? I mean, we, we have to look at the cross. I mean, we have to look at that reality that this, this sinless Son of God, I mean, this sacrificial Lamb of God, the spotless Lamb of God is, is, is He hung there on the cross. And as he hung there on the cross and he, and he cried out to his father, he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you know what was happening there? I mean, do you know why he was crying out? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God the Father was making Jesus a curse. A curse for our sins. Your sin and my sin. The Father was pouring His wrath on His Son so He could pour His blessing on us. The Son would become a curse so that sinners could become sons. What an amazing story. What an amazing truth that that God had to send forth His Son. He had to be born of the law. He had to be born of the law so he could fulfill all the things that we couldn't. He had to be born of the law so he could absorb the curse for us, so that no longer. Thirdly, so no longer will be slaves, but a son. Can you tell that your pastor is trying to get back into shape? You probably can tell, can't you? I'm sure. Now, you know, one of the things I'm doing to try to get back into shape is is to swim more. I mean, I really enjoy swimming. Uh, I swim as much as I, I can. And I have become the spiritual swim advisor for Stan Pitcavich. I mean, Stan is a member of the church, uh, and he swims every day. And as his pastor, I have become his spiritual swim partner. Swim a couple of lanes next to him. I just feel like we have some great dialogue as we're in the water about Jesus and how you can become a better follower of Christ. My stroke is better than that, by the way. (laughs) Why do I call Stan my spiritual swim advisor? Well, we swim at the Winter Park Racquet Club. Have You ever been there? I mean, I'm telling you, it's a great pool, heated, nice, outdoors, right on Lake Maitland. Man, you walk down there and swim right there, whew, it is beautiful. Stan's a member at the Winter Park Racquet Club. I'm Stan's spiritual advisor. <laughs> I show up as Stan's spiritual advisor, not a member, to go swim. So every time I walk there, every time I park my car thinking, oh, my car doesn't belong here. And every time I kind of sneak and grab my little gym bag, and I head down toward the pool, and man, is it beautiful. I'm looking around, no, no, don't catch me. No one look at me. And as I get in the pool, and then afterwards, maybe the hot tub, and then back out, I'm just just waiting for someone to catch me. I'm just waiting for someone to say, hey, wait a minute. You don't belong. You're not a member here. What are you doing here? You can't come here. And they'd be right. You ever had that feeling? You ever had the feeling like you didn't belong? Maybe it was a justified feeling. You You ever swim in a pool that wasn't yours? remember of? Do you know that Jesus was born under the law so that there would never be anyone, listen to this, so there would be, never be anyone in heaven and earth, even God himself, that there would never be a tongue that would ever be able to rightly claim, we don't belong with God. God. Because Jesus came under the law, there will never, ever be one who could justly accuse us that we don't belong in His family, that we're not His, that we're not beloved. Why? Because Jesus has come and He's fulfilled all the law for us. I mean, think about it. All of it. There's never going to be one like, oh, by the way, there's one little thing. You're disqualified. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know you thought you had it, but mm, I'm sorry. Do you know that He had to come for all of it? Every little piece. He had to come and and absorb the curse, every part of God's wrath. Why? So that we could be redeemed. So that we could be rescued. So that we could be brought in the family. So we could be given life and life abundantly. Why? So that we belong. Isn't that amazing? So we could be free. 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 I mean free. Free from the tyranny of the law free from the penalty of the law, free that we can stand in a holy God's gaze, beloved in Christ Jesus, because he did it all for us. He fulfilled it all. He absorbed it all. And never will there be one who comes and says, you know what? You don't belong. What an amazing, gracious God we have. Slaves have become sons. And we belong. You see, Jesus, listen, Jesus came to be the law keeper. Why? Jesus came to be the law keeper so that he could be the grace dispenser. So he could be the one. He's the conduit. He's the conduit to life. He's the conduit to the father. He's the conduit that we can be to the family. It's all through Jesus and Jesus alone. At the end of Jobs' life, he says, you know, I'm about 50-50 on belief in God a guy who would spend a lot of time in India looking for his own uh, a spiritual advisor, a Buddhist. At the end of the day, he, he basically says, gee, I, I hope that something continues. I hope that the lessons I've learned and maybe some of the consciousness I have will continue. I'm 50-50. But he said this about religion. He said, to me, religion is like all a bunch of doors going into the same house. Doesn't really matter. No, no, no. No, no, no. Steve, you're a smart man, but you're dead wrong. The only way. The only way into the house. The only way into the family. The only way into grace. The only way into a right relationship with the Father. The only way to have life and life abundantly. The only way is through Jesus. He's the only way. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Because he put himself under the law. He and he alone did it. He's the law keeper. He's the curse bearer. So we could become sons, daughters, beloved, and home. Let's turn to John. I mean, it's amazing. I love the four gospels. Each tell us about Jesus and the story of Jesus, each in a unique, special way. I mean, John tells us that this Word was with God, and this Word was God, this eternal God. And it, in verse 14, that the Word of God, which is Jesus, that He put on flesh, and he, he came, and He dwelt among us. And we've seen the glory, the glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And I want you to get to verse 17, John one seventeen. Let's, let's pick up 16. And from his fullness, we've all received grace upon grace upon grace. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses. Now Moses didn't give us the law like he was the initiator of the law. He didn't think up the law. It was saying the law was given through Moses. It's basically saying that Moses was a conduit. That God spoke to him amazingly face to face. That Moses was the conduit in which we received God's law. And that's how it comes. And so the law was given through Moses. But listen, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. He and He alone is the conduit to God's grace. He and He alone is the conduit to God's truth. He and He alone can dispense the Father's love to us through Him and Him alone. And the work of one who completely satisfied the Father's justice, completely satisfied the Father's requirements. Now we, listen, now we can call out Abba, Father, because we belong. In Christ's fullness, we have received grace upon grace upon grace because he is the law keeper, he's the curse bearer, and he's the one who leads us home. Why would Jesus do it? I mean, we got to think, why would Jesus do it? I mean, fully God, he didn't need us. He didn't need to go through the hassle. Why did Jesus do it? Why would he submit himself to the full law? Why would he put himself under all of the law? Because amazing love. Amazing love, he loved us. And you know what? He knew that you couldn't do it. He knew that I couldn't do it. So he sent Jesus to do it for us. Why would he do it? Why would Jesus make himself a a curse? Amazing love. Because he loves you. And he knew you, you couldn't ever bear it. Why would Jesus do it for us? Why would he be made under the law? Again, because amazing love in which he loves us to redeem us in the fullness of time. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, to set us free. Why did he do it? To make us free. To make us his. Can you see him? Can you see him putting himself under the weight of the law for you? Can you see him becoming obedient, even to the point of obedient to death? Can you see him on that cross becoming your curse? Can you see him? Can you see Jesus taking your shackles so that you could be free? That's why. What love. What peace. What joy. My brothers and sisters, think about it. The lawgiver becomes the law keeper. The son becomes a slave. The one who was rich became poor. Why? So now we can say to the law, can't touch this. Why? Because now we can say to the fact that we're still broken but going home, can't touch this. I'm his. I'm in the family. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. The curse has been gone because of Christ Jesus. How should we then live? How should we then live now that we've been set free? Let's turn to Galatians. We've been in Galatians a lot this year. Do you notice that? We've been in Galatians 4 all Advent. We were just in Galatians 3. Galatians 5, 13 says this to us. For you were called to freedom. Why? Because Jesus was born under the law. You were called to freedom. But brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Because you're yours. Because the world can't touch you. Because the law can't touch you. Because you belong. Now what are we to do? Now through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. How are we not to live? How are we not to live? Of those of us who have been set free because Jesus was made under the law? We live our lives in freedom, showing the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, we spent the whole fall looking at that. Now because of the reality of what Christ has done for us, we are free. Free to love, free to have joy, free to have peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Here's the reality of each one of you here today. You're in one of two categories. You sit here today in one of two categories. You are either, because Jesus was born under the law, you are either a blessed son, an heir of God, truly free, or you're under a curse. You're under the curse of the law. I'm not saying you're not a good person, I'm not saying you haven't done some great things, but according to Scripture, that's the reality of where we are. We have either received grace upon grace upon grace through Jesus Christ, and we have life and life abundantly, or we're apart from Christ, and we're cursed. Deliver us. Deliver us, Yahweh. Deliver us, Jesus. Are you here as a beloved son or daughter? That's the whole Christmas story He came to deliver you and me. By God's grace, embrace Jesus for who he says he is as your Lord and Savior. Accept that Jesus fulfilled the law for you so you could stand before a holy God. Accept by God's grace through faith that he became a curse so that you could become a blessing. What a gift. And if you have that gift, Go live your life in freedom in Christ Jesus. And may they know it by the way you love, by the way you serve, and by the way you live your life saying, thank you that you were born under the law so that I could be, you could be a blessed son. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for sending a deliverer to us. And we needed the greatest deliverer because we are so lost in our sins, so deep into our own filth. And Jesus, you came, and you came as God Almighty. And you could have said, well, I'm exempt from this, I'm exempt from that. And hey, I'm God, and I don't have to do that. But Jesus, you didn't do any of that. You didn't claim one exemption, but you took the whole yoke of the law upon you. You took it all. So that we could be set free from it all. Jesus, you, you, the blessed, holy Son of God, the obedient, sinless Son of man, you became our curse so that we could become blessed. Oh God, we thank you for that grace. We thank you for that mercy that Jesus has come and grace upon grace upon grace we are receiving through him. Father, I pray for each one in this room. God, I pray that each one of us would be able to leave here knowing our deliverer has come and knowing what he has done for us. And God, if there's anyone here this morning that still remains in that curse, we are all born that way. None of us deserve it. God, by your grace and your mercy, will anyone who doesn't embrace Christ as Savior do it even now. Asking you, Jesus, into their life. Forgiving their sins. Fulfilling the law for them. Making them a son or daughter. God, for the rest of us, may we live our lives in a manner worthy of your work in our lives. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.